Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. And today I have an awesome guest, Mr. Glenn Hollenbach. Hi, Corey. Hi, man. Glenn Hollenbach. Glenn Hollenbach. Sorry. I grew up in the suburbs of Reading, coming from a culturally rich and musically professional family. His own passion for music came after he was encouraged to pick up the guitar by his father, a notable and decorated trumpet player. His newfound fascination with music led him to becoming a uh, well-versed in many styles of playing as he progressed. Since then, Glenn has become an award-winning go-to guitarist in the Reading and Lancaster area for live bands and as a recording musician. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be here. It's I know we've been talking about this for a little while. Yeah. I'm glad we're able to make it happen. Yeah, me too, man, because you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I've got too much stuff going on. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to cut back on the stuff, but you got to put yourself out there as much as you can to get to a point where you feel comfortable scaling back and prioritizing things that you really want to do, I think. No, I know exactly what that means, because when I started this podcast, I don't know if you realize, but I was having podcasts every every single day almost. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. I got 100 episodes out within like three or four months. Whoa. <clears throat> Jeez, man. Well, then you totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Now I'm like scaling back. And uh, this week was a bit much. I almost have one every single day. And I was like, wait a minute. I can't do this again. I'm burned out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's the burnout, isn't it? Because, you know, you do have when you're really getting into something and by something, I mean, like, you know, getting into music or podcast, not like a particular project within that you underestimate how much time that that takes and how much energy it takes, even aside from when you're actually doing it. Right. You're going through it and you're pushing through and you're saying yes to everything. And you're trying to do as much as you can because you really care about it. But then it gets to the point where you actually don't have the energy to contribute to it in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what burnout is. Absolutely. Yeah. Be careful. <clears throat> yeah, especially as an introvert, I'm not talking to talking to people that isn't my forte. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are hosting a podcast. And here I am. You know, someone has to do it. And I said I had to do it. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'm glad you did. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really happy with what I got. And so Speaking about uh, your story, in the beginning of that, your father encouraged you to pick up the guitar. What was that like for you? So um, music was, I know a lot of musicians say this, music was always in the house. It's true, it was, um, given the fact that my dad was not only a professional trumpet player for his whole life, and and still is, uh, but a music teacher also. So he, um, there was always music playing, and he was always teaching trumpet in the house, like private lessons, and always going to gigs. Um, so, but he never really pressured me to be involved with music ever, like ever. I can't remember my dad ever, you know, really sitting me down and and trying to force me to be a musician. There were some moments when I was young that I thought it would be fun to try to play drums, for example. And I did that for a little while and it didn't really work out. I, you know, I have some serious problems with attention. Um, (laughs) and and so that didn't really work out. Um, and you know, meanwhile, I'm getting into other things like as, as a young kid playing video games and professional wrestling or whatever, whatever young kids get into. And uh, one day my dad just asked me if he would let or if I would let one of his students teach me how to play guitar. I guess my dad had noticed that I started to get some kind of interest in music, but nothing serious. Like, I don't remember ever a time saying, Dad, I want to learn guitar. But um, he approached me and said, hey, one of my students plays guitar. Would you have any interest in learning how to play it? I just happened to say yes. Uh, and the rest is, I guess, history or whatever better way to put it. Like I just ended up being very good at it. And then from there, I actually fell in love with music. Like a lot of people love music and like, I should play an instrument. It was kind of the other way around for me. Interesting. Yeah. Like I just love falling in love with guitar is what made me fall in love with music as a a casual 
a casual listener separately from playing. Yeah. Sweet. So what did you do with that uh, guitar lessons? Uh, so I started out, my, my first memories in regards to guitar lessons are learning Back in Black, ACDC. Of course. And like then Crazy Train and, you know, all, all the all hits, the all the hits, yep. all the big ones. Um, and then it got to the point where my teacher, who was probably, I mean, he's a teenager at the time, you know, and uh, he said, I don't really have any more to teach you. So I went to his teacher, who mm -hmm. was like a hardcore jazz guy named Carl Zeppelin. If you're listening, you might know Carl. Um, what, what a name, yeah. Carl Zeppelin. <laughs> Carl Zeppelin for a guitar player. Yeah, he's a, a heavy, heavy jazz guy, incredible guitar player, really knowledgeable and taught me a lot about the foundation of music, the concepts that it's built off of, how to understand uh, communicating with other musicians with your instrument, because there's a, a lot of guitar that doesn't apply to a lot of other instruments that you play with in the jazz world. You know, it's primarily a rhythm instrument. Mm -hmm. So learning how to communicate with other musicians um, and giving me the tools to apply myself in many different musical situations. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't really care about playing jazz guitar though so it got to the point where it kind of wasn't working out between the two of us i mean not that we weren't getting along or anything but he has his way of looking at guitar i had my way of looking at guitar especially when i was young and thought i knew everything and we kind of agreed to call it quits and then i just kind of went and made my own way and with the tools that he did gave me or did give me which were invaluable i ended up doing what i do with rock and funk and r&b and some jazz and, and country and, and whatever so that's how guitar lessons went for me. I haven't had a guitar lesson in a really long time, but I am thinking about getting back into it. Well, yeah, it's always good to go back to basics sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, and there's a lot of really great world-class guitar players that you can get in touch with on Instagram and that you can pay them for lessons. You know, like one lesson with one of my favorite working guitar players would be worth a lot. So it, it has been something I've been thinking of. And if you're out there thinking about taking music lessons or if you're an experienced musician and you need to uh, reevaluate where you're at with your instrument to break out of a rut. I would probably recommend getting a lesson with some guy that you really respect and see where that takes you. Absolutely, I know. For me as a piano player, <clears throat> I know I I went the same way as you. Yeah. As I had a few lessons, I was like, I can't be bothered to do this, and um, and now I'm paying for it because I I didn't learn my scales. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I can't. So whenever anyone looks at me and says go, and I'm like, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need to have. A certain knowledge of scales and chords and that's kind of what i meant by what carl taught me to get around in any musical situation and if someone calls out for you to play to be able to be in that moment without thinking too much mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of legwork to get to that point but when you are at that point it's a pretty liberating feeling knowing that yeah it is knowing that you can walk in a room and play with a country band or a funk band or a rock band which luckily i'm i'm able to do because of the things that he taught me um so Get back, get back to your scales man yeah well i i know and that also comes to knowing the styles too because oh yeah sure the, the way you play country is not the way you play funk yeah absolutely right. yeah no that's that's 100 true and i think that there's also the dimension of me being able to execute those styles to a degree like of course there are some styles i'm better at than others it mainly comes from the fact that i'm a fan of all of those kind of music <laughs> kinds of music too right i you know, as you get older and you go through your rock phase and you go through your rap phase, you go through your funk phase. You, I've never really gone through a country phase, but like I certainly appreciate the guitar playing within it. So like I don't I don't have a bad time listening to it. But being able to appreciate a lot of kinds of music as a listener can really inform how you approach your instrument. Absolutely. Because yeah. because of, like you said, those different techniques that it takes to play them and the different approaches and the different roles that it has in different kinds of bands. Like an electric guitar, for example, doesn't have the same role in a jazz band that it typically does in a rock band obviously, but 
you know, it's something that a lot of people don't think of when they're in those scenarios playing. Right. Yeah. A lot of the mental game when it comes to being versatile on the instrument. Oh, absolutely. There's, it's it's not just uh, your physical ability, but it's also your mental ability and the <clears throat> fortitude to keep up with other people and mm -hmm. then uh, realize what's going on in the room, where the audience is at, where you're at, where oh, the yeah. band is at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always say to people, it's something that me and my bandmates in multiple bands, it's kind of an open running conversation, is the idea of getting from your own headspace out into the collective headspace. Mm -hmm. And I think that when people talk about chemistry between band members, that's really what it is, is that how quick from when you start playing with these people, uh, how quick can you all be on the same page and have eyes up looking at each other rather than focusing on what you're doing? Mm -hmm. There are some great bands and very good bands that I'm in that it's taken a longer period of time for us to all get out of our individual headspaces and into the collective one so that we can have some true chemistry. And depending on what band you're playing in, you do have to kind of be in your own headspace, make sure that you know what's going on under your fingers or within your hands, depending on what instrument you're playing, and be comfortable enough with the music that you're playing, and then you can kind of get your eyes up. And one of the ways I, I would highly suggest to do this, if you want to look to try to do so, is to go out to open mics and jam with people. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's that's how you, I mean, of course, that's how you meet a lot of good musicians, but that's also how you get better at that thing we were talking about earlier, uh, being able to just step into a larger variety of situations and feel comfortable without thinking about it too much. Yeah, that's and that, I do that all the time. I don't play <laughs> in any bands. People always ask, what band are you part of? I don't, I, whoever lets me. That's, yeah. that's the question. <laughs> that's the answer. Corey's for hire, everybody. Uh, well, yeah, honestly, if you want me in a band, let yep. me know. Heard it I'll, here. I'll do it. Um, but yeah, the way that I, I play is I go out to open mics and uh, people say, uh, if they want a piano player, I, I'm there. Yeah. And they just got to give me the chord structure and I'm good to go. That's good. You're and, doing your job then. Yeah. And, that, and that's about it. It's, it's helped me improve a lot in my improvising because yeah. I've, I've been forced to work on my skills because people do look at you and say go yeah and i'm like i have to go or else yeah. there's nothing going to happen here you got to do something yeah and you know like there are there are people who like speaking of my dad my dad can read anything like sight read any music he's that's like that's like his gift and of course that does kind of fall in line with his instrument you know there's not as much fast and loose improv with trumpet in most trumpet situations than there is with guitar mm -hmm. in most situations a guitar finds itself in so but me i'm kind of the opposite end of my dad i can't really read notation but improvising has always been my strong suit mm -hmm. now you could quantify that to again the situations that your instrument typically finds itself in and the kinds of music that it finds itself in and the kind of music you listen to to learn about that instrument uh, but also i think a part of it is just whatever your strong suit is as an individual on the instrument as well you know, like there are there have been trumpet players who are just godly improvisers. You know? Oh, yeah. But um, typically um, the guitar and the piano uh, and, and instruments that are visual are the real good improvisational instruments because you can see what's going on. Whereas on the trumpet, you have 12 notes and 12 octaves and what, three valves? You got to figure it all out. You know? You're not seeing what's happening. You have to conceptualize it, make sure that your embouchure is in the right position so there's that physical dimension of it too and then kind of just go for it and hope you have enough breath i guess yeah, say they, and they have to breathe and the breathing <laughs> and the breathing yeah we don't yeah. have to breathe the play well we do but we don't have to like control yes. our breath. you have to breathe while you're playing but you don't necessarily have to breathe to play in every moment exactly. you can hold your breath and play guitar you can't hold your breath to play trumpet <laughs> <laughs> right 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 yeah 
So uh, back to your guitar lessons and uh, moving past that. Yeah. Uh, when did you start finding yourselves in uh, playing for bands? Uh, so my first band was when I was 16. I think I was still taking lessons at that point. But I was kind of getting to that juncture with my teacher where we kind of weren't seeing eye to eye on how I should progress. Um, and it was it was the classic me and my best friends getting together in my buddy's basement and writing songs together and jamming. And, you know, we did that almost every day because we all lived in the same neighborhood, which was mm -hmm. really great. I'm still like best friends with all those guys to this day. Those are like my absolute best friends. But um, that's how that started. Um, you know, you you start to get to that age, 14, 15, 16, where not only are you discovering yourself on the instrument and getting competent enough to feel like you can join a band, but so are the people around you. Mm. you meet up with them to have a jam, and you either have the chemistry that we were talking about or you don't. And in that case, we did. And, you know, we played a bunch of shows, and just as every band in high school does, eventually it petered out. But that's that's really when I, when I think of my first band, it's that one. Um, and then from there, it was just you know, meeting other people, finding chemistry with them, jamming with them, going to open mics, things like that, and uh, seeing what connections made the most sense, following them through and, and seeing where they went. Um, I also did jazz band in high school, which I was very staunchly against. Uh, I really didn't want to do jazz band. My dad, that was the one thing my dad really did try to push me to do was jazz band. And eventually I did do it. Um, I think I joined in my junior year and I did junior and senior year that ended up being probably the most important formative music moment in my life, because not only did I have a great music teacher, Wilson High School, Dave Cooper, great guy um, who really gave me a chance when he didn't have to, like they already had a guitar player. He was a great guy to learn from. And it was a situation where I had to put these tools that I had learned in lessons into use in a scenario that I wasn't entirely comfortable with. Mm. Uh, and that's whether it's your work, whether it's like your relationship with other people or, or in music, that's the situation where I find that I learned the most is, you know, you have, you know, this and that about what you're getting into, but, you know, being in the scenario, making the mistakes, trying to connect with people, not always working and then sometimes working and having it be the best thing ever. That's really where I learned the most. So I did end up doing jazz band around the same time I was also forming my own rock bands. And there was just that really prolific period of learning for me. And then um, everything just kind of uh, rolled from there, I guess. So the best way to learn is to make plenty of mistakes doing it. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like I, uh, I ended up being a lot better at that style of music than I had realized leading up to it because of all the mistakes you make in your lessons and practicing and then in the band room. And that's where I really started to, like earn awards for my guitar playing was at these jazz band competitions. Oh, wow. And that was really important in building my confidence as a versatile musician. Cause at that point I didn't really see myself as a jazz guitar player. And I certainly don't see myself that way now, but um, you can do it. Yeah. Like I can, I can get by, I can read, I can read a chord chart. I know the expensive chords. If I see them, on, <laughs> the if, I, if I see them on the page, I can, I can play them, <clears throat> but Maybe the most important thing, and I've tried to stress this to a lot of guitar players I talk to now, is in that jazz band environment, I really learned the importance of rhythm guitar playing and mm. why it is more important than lead playing. When you're young and you're getting into guitar and you're falling in love with guitar, you're naturally drawn to styles of music that have a lot of very verbose guitar playing and intense guitar you playing. You want to shred. Yeah, yeah. Like you love, you're falling in love with guitar, so you want as much of it mainlined into your system as you can. And joining the jazz band was 
me learning that not only do I have a knack for rhythm guitar playing, but how important it is to a great band if you can execute it properly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. The, the rhythm section of a band is really important. Uh, of course, you have the drums, yeah. but uh, guitar and drums match very well together if they're yeah. done correctly. Yeah, right. Yeah, especially in a jazz band. Especially in a jazz band. Because there's not a lot of solos in a jazz band there's not for guitar. Of- now, they gave me yeah. some because I could play, but really the the guitar in a jazz world is uh, comes from a very rhythmic standpoint um and it's it's almost it kind of plays a piano kind of role in the way mm. that's kind of stabbing at chords in a certain rhythmic pattern between the bass and the and the drums um and so i learned a lot from that um as far as how to restrain yourself i guess on oh, guitar. Yeah. well absolutely with musicians uh musicianship it comes with being virtuosic yeah, and then hopefully limited yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Being virtuosic also means knowing when to play, when not to play. The, and uh, it's often said that uh, music it happens in between the rests. Yeah, in between absolutely. the notes. Yeah, you can't be playing all the time because then there's no pocket. I think it's boring. It's boring. It's and, it's and when you when you're playing as a bass player or as a guitar player or as a piano player the space that you for example leave for the snare drum mm. not playing on that beat can sometimes be the linchpin that makes the pocket and the feel of the rhythm section really work because if everybody is playing on every beat that never really feels good for whatever it's the reason. wall of sound yeah it's just kind of the way music goes i think yeah. is is knowing when to leave space for the other instruments uh that's in those scenarios when you think of songs that have great feel and great pocket which is a term musicians use you know that obviously mm-hmm. I think that's really what it is, is the bass player resting on the snare beat, simple things like that. Uh, the guitar player poking in between where the bass is playing. That's pocket, really. Or if there's ever a band stop and every, all the instruments cut out and you're like, yeah, everyone gets hyped when that happens. Yeah, right, it's dynamics. It's dynamics. It's, it's, it's the ebb and flow of music. It, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, sure. To, to make it all one thing is to not understand the, the fundamentals of music and rhythm as a as a human need really yeah sure that's it that's actually a really good way to put it because the reason why and since you've been playing a lot of open mics with a lot of musicians um the reason why all these musicians you learn from are always preaching about dynamics is because there's also that ebb and flow and roller coaster of emotion within the human experience as corny as that sounds (laughs) like i think i think that that's why people connect with music so much aside (laughs) from lyrics and stuff which are just as powerful but um that's why people are able to hear an instrumental track like pick up the pieces by average white band and not know how to play a lick of music and feel like they're connected to it because now that song's kind of an uplifted joyous feeling kind of song but people can invest in the dynamics of that song in that way just like they can invest in the crazy dynamics of a song like stairway to heaven which start all the way down Mm -hmm. here work its way all the way up here to this big crescendo I think people go through that in their lives, as you know, with in regards to events and how they feel about things. It's just a mini story. Yeah, and, right. And if humans love anything, we love stories. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. And the story. The story is every guy. Bring it full circle. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting because I just want to make this one side note and then we can move on. Uh, I had a music therapist on on the, oh, wow. the show. Cool. And uh, Katie Damiano. Damiano. I, I'm going to mess up the name for the rest of my life. I'm just she's gonna forgive me she's listening now she's always listening (laughs) um but apparently music is the only thing that lights up all of our brain at once really yeah wow very cool and uh, she was telling me about uh 
if you hear a clickety clack of a, of uh, heels on 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 the way, you'll slowly fall in line to that. Yeah, as a rhythm. Yeah, and it, it's it's incredible to me how she was using music to uh, get kids with, like disabilities to talk or wow or stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Because in our minds, you know, you sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and, and if you don't finish the last word, they'll finish it for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is kind of interesting how, like, in all parts of the world, before certain groups of humans knew there were other groups of humans, they all still had this internal propensity and desire to to make, craft these instruments yeah. and make music. It's just part of like the human DNA or something. Yeah, it's almost like we have to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> There's been entertainment entertainment as long as humans been even just art in yeah. general. You got yeah. the caves in, mm-hmm. in France or whatever. Yeah, it's expression, I guess, of kind of the complexity of the human of self, mind, yeah. which is which is what makes humans unique on, on planet earth absolutely don't see any uh dogs making paintings of them <laughs> not yet <laughs> not yet not yet We're living in the future who knows who knows so when did when did you join a project that was long term for you i think the first pro there was a project that i had joined when i was i must have been 19 like right shortly after high school. I met a couple guys when I was working at Sam Ash and King of Prussia um, that had this batch of songs and wanted to flesh it out with like a, a studio band. And actually you've had Justin Fava on the podcast. Yes. That's the first band I was ever in with Justin, actually. I had, nice. I had known him previously from playing with each other's bands, but we were never in the same band. That's where we really got our connection. And um, that band was together for a while, made a record, pressed it to vinyl, did the whole nine. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I learned a lot from that too, the not working out. Right. <laughs> Almost like like when you fall in love with someone and that doesn't work out, as corny as that sounds, like you kind of learn a lot about what you need from a relationship and um, what worked for you. So that was the first band that felt really serious to me, but it was also kind of my first band heartbreak too. Mm. Um, and I feel like I learned more from that in that band than actually just being in the band. Um, that band was called Hillside. Uh, and after that, when that band fell to pieces, um, me and Justin still wanted to really play and and enjoy each other's company. We were always able to be honest with each other and trust each other, which is important if you're going to play music together because it is kind of an intimate relationship. And um, we started... A couple other projects after that. Um, Me and Justin still play together to this day. Um, But I would say that that's my longest running music relationship is with Justin. So maybe that's the best answer. Yeah. So And you guys work with Stephanie Grace right now. Yeah, we both play with Stephanie Grace. That's right. Tell me how that works. Uh, So. How that came about. I think. I'm sure you've had Steph on the show, right? I've had Steph and Justin. (laughs) So I, I. I don't know how much of this story either of them have have told, but um, Stephanie, and I don't want to speak too much for her, but my understanding of the situation, just be being close to her, is she was at a point where she knew she needed a little bit of, of change in her career and uh, wanted to go with a new band that had the ability to go further with her in that journey than the one that she had. And uh, she was going to shop for her bridal dress, went to Justin's mom's bridal dress shop, and was kind of talking to her about the situation. She said, oh, you know my son Justin, don't you? She was like, yeah, Justin Fava. And she said, oh, well, he plays music. So she gave him a call to come in and fill in for a guitar spot, which went well, because Justin's still in the band, obviously. <laughs> and and uh, 
shortly after that, one of Steph's other band members who was kind of like her, her confidant in a lot of her musical journey, Josh Heller, Josh, for listening, great guitar player, nice guy. Uh, he was like, well, you know, Steph, you should, you should also replace me too. I think it's for the own, for the good of your career. Um, what a and, great realization to have. Yeah. And Josh is like a grown man with kids yeah. and stuff like in a full-time job. Like he, you know, has a life and that's kind of why Steph needed to go with a new band. So like younger guys who can just go, go. with her. Right. Um, and he said, if you're going to get someone young in Reading, you should, I wouldn't call anyone other than Glenn, not to brag. His words, not mine, allegedly. Okay, so allegedly, yeah, allegedly, he said that. I've never, I've never confirmed that with him personally. But um, so she called me, and at the time, I was very busy with other bands. But I recognized this as a scenario that was good for me in two ways. One, because Steph has notoriety and has gone a long way in her career, and is a really nice person. She's she's great. Yes, that's great. Check out her music. Yeah. And check out Stephanie Grace yeah, on on social media and on Ste- she music. Stephanie G music. Stephanie G music on Instagram and just Stephanie Grace on Facebook, I think. Yeah. And if you search Stephanie Grace on whatever music stream you search, it. you'll find it. Right. Uh and so she called me and said, Hey, do you want to join my band? I didn't audition. She just said, Josh said you're good, so I'll take his word for it. <laughs> Which was probably a good choice on her part. Because Josh is trustworthy and I am good, I will say. But um I, she called me and asked me to join the band. I said, you know, I'm really busy, but I'm going to give it a shot because of the things that I just mentioned. And even more importantly than Steph being nice and Justin being in the band was that I've, I've always felt like I really thrive in the sideman role, mm. uh, like being a gun for hire and being someone who can step into your band, easily assess the situation, what's needed from me, do that job. And then more so if needed, you know, help you direct the musicality of your band, the arrangements, and things like that um so i took the gig i'm still with her we're doing a bunch of shows this year you can check out her social media to see our dates i think she just posted our dates for april may like yesterday so you can see all that uh, that's how the whole stephanie grace thing happened and it's been great so far and, and it's also been another project where i learned a lot about playing because it is kind of the pop country thing which right. like even yes i can even though most of your intermediate guitar players can execute that kind of music. It actually takes a lot to make it feel good and right if you're not from that place, if no, you don't come it. from country music. So that was a big learning experience for me and has ended up being really a lot more fulfilling as a guitar player rather than just a gig that I thought would be cool and good for my career. Like it's mm. actually become an enjoyable music experience. And, uh, after I was hired, Stephanie told me to just hire, figure out who else is going to be in the rest of the band. So I did. And now I'm in this great project with a great singer songwriter and surrounded by my friends who play great. So it really has turned out to be awesome. That's awesome. And, yeah. you, and you, you also were a part of this or are a part of this other band, The Quiet Campaign. Tell me about yeah. that. So I know Zach DeSantis is watching. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Hi, Zacho. So uh, The Quiet Campaign is an original kind of indie alternative rock band from Reading a couple of years ago. I think it was maybe July or August of 2019. Um, he sent me a Facebook message, kind of a cold call because him and I weren't close or friends really, but I had known him very loosely from going into Penn Avenue music where he was running that shop at that time. He messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, you know, I, I've got this project. I kind of want to do something with it. I've got a large collection of songs. We just need, a lead guitar player um and you know i've heard you play a couple times out live and i've heard that you're very good so do you want to come over and 
here are a couple songs, learn them, do your thing with them, and we'll see how it goes. And that was a moment where the first time I ever played with those guys, I knew it was right. And there was that heads up um, chemistry and that kind of everyone was out of their inner headspace and in the collective headspace pretty much from the downbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has remained to be that way in, to a deeper degree. Like that, that is really a band that's pretty close to me and that I really, really care about and makes a lot of great music. It has grown past just being Zach um, wanting to have a band to flesh out his tunes. It really has become a band. Um, But that's how it started. We actually just finished recording an EP at the Kaleidoscope and Lancaster. I'm sure you're familiar. Yes, I've had them on the show. Oh, you have? Yes, I have. Oh, my God. They're the best. I love them. Uh, So we, we cut it there over a weekend, all live in the room. Overdubs were just lead guitars and vocals, pretty much. Um, we just got the masters, which you have, and we're just figuring out when we're going to put it out, but it should be very, 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 very soon. And so this is a little bit of a, a pre pre scene. Yeah, this is, this would be technically the first time the public would have heard any of this. So let's talk about uh, a few of them. Let's, we have lull. Tell me about that one. Lull, lull is more of a recent song for the quiet campaign. I'd say it's maybe about half a year old, but it has quickly become a favorite amongst the people who attend our shows. It's kind of a, it's got a bit of a 90s rock feel combined with Tom Petty, which is kind of the way I describe this band to most people is if the guys in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers grew up in the 90s, they would kind of sound like this band. And which is a a match made in heaven for me because Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are my favorite band. And I also grew up listening to 90s rock so (laughs) lull lull is kind of that flavor zach's lyrics are uh kind of mysterious so i don't know the reasoning behind every lyric in these songs but the general gist is well i guess a a long car ride conversation possibly becoming a little bit tedious if i'm understanding correctly oh well to have zach on the show so you can explain you really yeah you should have zach on the show he's got plenty to talk about I said, well, this is Lull by The Quiet Campaign. In the winters, we can go to Mexico. I don't want to see the snow And on the way down When we're in the car And you're playing songs that I know I'm waiting For a lull in The conversation Street, the wind blows. The blistering sun, the faded yellow lines across the road from our house. But we don't have the porch lights to leave on to scare the rats away. I'll scare the rats away, she says. I'm waiting for a lull in the conversation. I'm waiting 
We have another one that I'd like to show up, show out, and then we'll move on to the topics of being manager at Tone Tailors, because that's an exciting topic. So tell me Certainly. about, tell me a little bit about Trust. You were talking about, uh, were all of these tracks, did they, they all got uh, really good takes on both guitar, bass, drums, yeah. and everything. Yeah, so essentially the, we had, so Zach, aside from being a great songwriter and guitar player, and piano player and bass player is also a very good producer. So uh, we had the means to do a record on our own mm. and have it sound pretty good. Um, but we were coming back with a product that we just felt didn't really capture the essence of the band live in a room on a recording, which you know a lot of bands feel that way. Um, right. And there's, there, that's why a lot of bands, it's also because we grew up listening to records that were recorded that way. I think that's a big part of it, you know, but um, the quiet campaign is also just a great live band. So we really wanted to capture that feeling in at least getting the bass and the drum tracks getting recorded in the same room at the same time. So when we went to John and Ben at the kaleidoscope, 
we said we'd, we'd like to do live takes and we'll have all of us in the room just in hopes that we at least get a rhythm section take that feels good. And if we need to overdub all of the guitars, we'll do that because that's very common anyway. Right. Um, so it was in the live room at the Kaleidoscope, which is awesome and just feels great to be there. We had Joel's drum kit mic'd up, uh, Frank, I think a DI based signal maybe, and then two mic'd up guitar amps in isolated rooms there and just did the takes very pretty quickly. We're well rehearsed. Uh, and we just ended up using those takes for all of the instruments for each song on the EP. So when you hear the rhythm tracks, or when you're listening to the track, you're hearing a take that was the drums and the bass and the two guitars live in the room playing at the same time. And then all of the guitar solos and vocals were done or overdubs, which is common. Um, so yeah, it, it's largely about 75% of the instruments, 80% of the instruments that you're hearing on the EP, maybe even more, were all recorded at the same time live while looking at each other. That's really fun. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it, it turned out the exact way that we hoped it would. And I'm super grateful that John and Ben over Kaleidoscope were receptive to that. It's not the most common way to record anymore because you do have to be very tight and very in tune for it to work. Luckily, as I've said earlier, I'm, I'm blessed to be surrounded by really great musicians. So we were able to do that within reason. Let's take a listen to Trust and see if you can hear just how tight they all are. Trust me, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't important. I'm on a bender now I'm on 
Trust by the Quiet Campaign, and that's soon to be set released. Very soon, right? Very soon. Like we, I went bowling with Zach and Joel. Joel's the drummer of the Quiet Campaign. The other night, and we talked about it for a while. We we have a show coming up at Mike's Tavern, which is like our favorite place in the whole world, on uh, April first. We talked about maybe releasing it then as a surprise, which if you're listening, it wouldn't be. But <laughs> I, I, we really don't know yet. We really don't know yet. What you should do is really hype it up. And it's yeah. April Fool's. <laughs> well, the thought the thought was to maybe so while we were bowling, we took a bunch of videos and pictures of us bowling. And we thought, wouldn't it be so funny to every day leading up to the album release, it's an EP. <clears throat> like post a picture of something that has nothing to do with music. So that on the day that you put it out, you're like, we have an EP of like on April Fool's, this has got to be a joke, right? And have it be actually real. I don't know if we'll do that though. One of my best April Fool's jokes that I've ever pulled, and this is never going to top anything, but um, <clears throat> I switched my birthday on Facebook to uh-huh. April 1st. <laughs> and um, 
not only was I going to get like half the people that on my Facebook page, because who who really keeps track of that, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. So I got all those people. Uh, my grandmother tried to rat me out, but sorry, grandma. Sorry, it, it it had to be done. Um, but here's the best part of it. So, uh, my friends, uh, two of my best friends at the time, uh, I'll keep them unnamed for now. <laughs> um, they we we had gone out for a previous friend's birthday, one of one of the two, yeah. and she was like. I can't believe some people that just don't know their birth, like people's actual birthdays, and and they didn't they didn't say like my friends didn't say happy birthday to me once, and here we are out. And we went to uh, oh what's that Philly restaurant? Oh what is it called? It's it's the restaurant where the uh, the waitresses are all classically trained and they sing to you and like operas and stuff. I have no idea. It's really cool. I will have to they sing uh, operas. They wow. sing like pieces of opera. All of them are classically trained. That's amazing. Uh, waitresses and they every like thirty minutes or so they go. They go and sing to you. It's it's. <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll I'll link it in the comments. Link in the comments. Um, it's a great place. It's great food too. It's an Italian restaurant. Um, and so we were there, and and we were like, I can't believe people don't know that you know what our birthdays are. They didn't say happy birthday to me or whatever. And uh, and uh, and so April comes around, and they were like, So what do you want? What are we gonna do for your birthday? And and, <laughs> well. and we decided to go to Boston. <laughs> For my birthday, over spring break, and so here I am, like, we're going to Boston. This is great, but also, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my birthday. I gotta tell you guys something. Oh yeah, it was funny. <laughs> half half the way there, and it, it becomes my birthday because yeah. it's an overnight trip, and and I was like, interesting. You have your birthday to me. I'm like, guys, <laughs> April Fools, and they're no, like, good. like no, that's good. They didn't believe me until I pulled out my ID card. <laughs> Corey Rosen, everybody, and they were they were mad at me the whole time. But it, it was great. a great time. I, I had a ball. That's a good April Fools. Good for you. It was. It's not. It's not like it's. It's not like we went to Boston for my birthday. We sure. just, we just went to Boston and it happened. It to be, happened oh, it's Corey's birthday. birthday. Yeah. Like oh, that'll be in, you know, yeah. Nice. And we had it. We had a great time. We wouldn't have gone to Boston otherwise. Yeah. And so. Yeah, you can. So if you're listening and you were involved with that trip, you have Corey to thank for a nice trip to Boston. Exactly. A very nice trip. The toll roads were insane, but it was a very nice trip. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. All right, so back to telling you, telling your stories and uh, your funny or maybe bad moments. What yeah. is the one that you have? So there are a couple moments that are probably too bad to mention, <laughs> but um, one comes to mind. I was playing a show with Justin. I think it was with Justin, an acoustic show. And um, I can't remember how. But somehow I like pretty badly cut my hand. Um, I think it might have been like there was an era that I was going through where I was breaking strings a lot. I was restringing mm. guitars like every show. Now that I've kind of gotten that situation resolved. But I think it may have been from a string. Like I pretty badly cut my hand. My really, really good friend of mine that I've known since I was young, Steven, was at the show. He was in the crowd kind of far away. And as I'm playing, I'm like trying to wave him down as I'm playing. He like runs up, runs up. He's like looking around at me, checking to see if like what, like what's going on? Is something wrong with my guitar? Is something wrong with my cable? I'm like, no, I'm bleeding like out of my one hand. And he has like a first aid kit with him pretty much at all times. And as I'm like trying to play through the songs, he's like trying to like sneak his hand in and like wrap me up. So I don't, so the song gets finished and it did. 
Um, that I would say is probably one of the worst and like kind of funniest moments that's ever happened to me that I'm allowed to say on the show. I was about to say that that, that sounds like a, a wild spectacle to be looking at. Yeah, like, yeah. What is like, going there, on there, here? There, there were people that are that were like, <laughs> luckily it wasn't a gig where people were paying very close attention to us. A lot of the right, acoustic gigs, the yeah, a lot of the acoustic gigs, you're just doing your thing, and then if people pay attention, great. If not, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's the only other thing that comes to mind that I'm able to speak about. <laughs> <clears throat> speaking of the things that you are allowed to speak about you manage tone tailors tell me about that yeah so aside from playing music the thing that i have always done to supplement that situation which is not always financially the best is right. to work in guitar stores like i've worked in like five or six guitar stores in my life unfortunately the reason that there's such a turnover is because this day and age it's very difficult to be a you know local um small music shop with the advent right. of the internet sweetwater and yeah yeah not you know not knocking that but oh um, yeah no 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 not the knocks you know they have great products, yeah yeah but. yeah um <clears throat> but so a lot of the music stores i've worked at have closed but you know over time i have gained a lot of experience in that particular niche of retail music retail right i've worked in tiny little stores and all the way to like big box stores um and um i had been a customer of tone tailors for a long time because if you live in this general area and you're serious about your guitar gear, that has always been the place to go to from when they started on King Street in Lancaster in the small shop all the way up to now in Rockletts, which if you don't know about Rockletts, look it up. You know about it. You got to know about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tone Taylors is in pod two of Rockletts, Suite 54. If you come in on the main road, there's flags leading you up to it. Um, it's not only is it a beautiful shop, Aside from me working there, I can truly <laughs> say it's a beautiful shop, but the selection of electric guitars, acoustic guitars, pedals, pro audio in this relatively local area and beyond, I really don't think that there's anything that compares to it. And that's because prior to me working there, I've always frequented <clears throat> as many guitar shops as I can. And that's always right. been the best one. And it's currently better than it's ever been. So anyway, to kind of get back on track, uh, I just had noticed that they posted a job available at that time it was operations so like shipping and receiving which they do a heck of a lot of mm -hmm. you have to have some kind of online situation if you are going to be a small music shop in this day and age so you can market to the world effectively or at least right. the country so um i applied interviewed they had known me a little just because i i've shopped there and i bought a lot of stuff there in the past um and they knew I had experience. At that time, I was I was working at another guitar store, and um, they gave me the job. I came on board. One thing leads to another, and at this point now, I'm the store manager. Happy to say, it's a great place to work. It's a great place to try out a guitar. There's if you if you play guitar, if you play bass, I have a hard time believing that you would walk into that shop and not see something that you needed to pick up. Genuinely, it's a great mm -hmm. place, and I love working there. My bosses are great. Uh, my coworkers are great. <laughs> Um, and it's just awesome being around such great gear all the time. Aside from the fact that I'm working at Rock Lidditz, which has its own perks. Exactly. I, I'm sure you got to see some incredible, talented uh, people walking the I have. Trailers. I have. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, sh I really shouldn't say too okay, much. I was um, but man, I wish because there's some pretty good. There's some pretty good stories. I'll tell you off. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, if you don't know about Rockland, it's 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 where it's a uh, great place. Not only Mickey, Mickey's Black Box is there, which is like Mickey's Black Box, yeah, soon becoming one of the biggest hotspots in the area. It's beautiful. Have you been there? I have been there. It's awesome. And I don't think I've seen all that it can offer. Actually, it's very cool. I I've uh, I have seen a show there, and I've played a show there. Mm. Um, and whether you are there to see a show or you're there to play a show, it's equally it's excellent. I mean, this it sounds incredible in there. As it you does. could imagine, it's all Claire Brothers sound stuff. Yeah, that's where Claire is now based out of. Yeah, and, and it's great. Stray is based out of there too. I think, Stray, you know? yep. Claire, uh, Claire, Stray, and Tate. Tate it's the yeah. staging company. Yeah. Mickey actually, Mickey's Black Box. Mickey is Michael, Michael Tate. Tate. Yep. Yeah, that's another uh, pocket full of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but very cool yes indeed so for those who want to start getting into guitar what what would you recommend as a, like for a guitar mm-hmm. what guitar would i recommend well one of the big qualifying factors is if you're looking to play guitar because you're already into music what kind of music do you like to play mm-hmm. that's one of the first questions i'll usually ask a customer who has that same question which is very often as you can imagine um, I would say that if you're looking for a guitar that can pretty much take you anywhere, which in my opinion is very important for your first guitar, because just like it was for me, as you grow with the instrument, your your appreciation of music grows too. And you don't want to have an instrument that limits you stylistically to what kind of music you can play if you can help it. Now, the, I don't necessarily know if there's one guitar that does everything, but if there's something that's close, it would be something from Paul Reed Smith. PRS guitars, whether it's their uh, overseas guitars or their American guitars, pound for pound, when it comes to quality, I'd say it's at least very hard to beat, if not impossible. They, I was just at their factory last week for a dealer situation that they were um, gracious enough to host. And we, we took a tour of the factory, got to hang out with Paul himself, uh, and got to see the process of their quality control with the import guitars. Like they get, they get quality controlled when they leave the factory in Indonesia. They get quality controlled again in Stevensville, Stevensville, Maryland, where they're based out of before they are shipped out to their dealers. And every time that we pull one out of the bag, whether it's $500 or whether it's four grand, they're perfect every time. We don't have to send it to the shop to get a, a setup or fix this or that, which is common with guitars. They're made out of wood. They move as they're shipped. Right, right, right. With PRS, never an issue. So if it's in the budget, I would say a PRS would be a starter guitar player's best choice if if not that um <clears throat> squire makes some good offerings squire is a, a, a fender is more affordable branch of company they've really stepped it up in recent years i'd say and they've put a lot of not just great looking but great feeling guitars out there that pay homage to the classic electric guitar designs of the 50s you know the telecaster the stratocaster and they do a good job preserving that name while offering something affordable to an intro guitar player you could go that route too um i'm a big prs guy though What's your favorite guitar that I own? Favorite guitar. My favorite guitar period ever. Yeah. Probably the Gibson Les Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the Gibson Les Paul or the Fender Stratocaster. One of those two. I'd, I'd say I'd say a Les Paul. I. If you grow up loving rock music, and you pick up a Les Paul and you play one, it's the sound that is ringing within your ears and your head is the sound that you've grown up loving and becoming addicted to Mm. as you fall in love with the instrument. Now, that being said, there are other companies that make their more modern, 
better appointed, better built version of that guitar that you can get the same feeling from. Um, but my Les Paul is also my favorite guitar. There's <laughs> just there's there's just something about it that just makes me light up every time. So what is some one thing that you know now? Do you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, by the way, these are all questions that I have for, for my guests. So if you have any questions for Glenn, be sure to put them in the comments for sure. And we'll, we'll get around to it. <laughs> so what what is one of the things that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? I, I wish I knew how to separate myself um, emotionally from a project a little bit more. Mm. Like as you have this intense love affair with guitar and by proxy music or maybe the other way around, for me at least, I tend to get super invested in a project and um, that that can sometimes be unhealthy, of course, depending on like the people in the project, which is a whole other story, you know. Yeah, um, but I, I wish I knew how to I wish when I was younger, I knew how to better give all of myself to a project without becoming emotionally over invested. At the same time, though, um, me having a certain kind of heartbreak with certain musical situations is how I learned to be that way, you know, to not invest so much. I still right. kind of do a little bit. Now, luckily, as I've said earlier, I'm surrounded by musicians that I really like, love and trust very, very much. I'm super lucky with as many people as I play with. I love them all and trust them all, which is rare in music, right. sadly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I wish when I was younger that I, kn I knew how to temper that balance a little bit more and that I didn't have to learn it by having a bad situation. That is the way I learned it. And I'm grateful for that bad situation for teaching me that. But I wish I would have known that sooner. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, it's always good to, to yeah. know things outright instead of learning the hard way. Yeah. Like, you know, be be at your band's rehearsals, be at your practices, be invested, care about the music, but don't overinvest yourself. That kind of ties in with the earlier point about burnout we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you overinvest yourself past being in the room with the musicians, you can get a little burned out with a project and it can stop it can sometimes become not so fun anymore. Right. So that would that would be something I wish I would have known sooner. So, one of the last questions I want to ask: What's one of the best pieces of advice anyone has ever given you in terms of music? About music? Yeah. This is going to be kind of a cliche answer. If you're a musician listening, this may be your answer as well. Just try to listen more. Uh, like if you, and that ties into the earlier point about the collective headspace. If you are really listening while you're playing with a group of people, a lot of the questions you may have about what you should play and how you should play it will be answered if you're with a good group of musicians or if you're with a group of musicians that has chemistry. Um, and I don't think that there's been one person that's given me that advice. I think it's been a, a lot of people and it's also just been something that i have formed yeah realized over time <clears throat> it's kind of always an open conversation with people i play music with the listening thing um and i actually i had a conversation with justin recently about this a little bit um when you've gotten to a point musically where you are mature to me what that means is that the that the thinking has become the listening 
Like in music, you want to al almost always be listening rather than thinking. Because in music, to me, listening is the thinking. Right. You know, like that, it, it takes the place of thinking. It's a form of thinking within that medium. That's the way I look at it. So, um, and I know that when you're still getting your chops under your fingers and you're still getting your confidence up, the whole listening thing seems like it's so far away. And it kind of is because you do need to have a certain amount of uh, confidence in your ability to open up and get in that collective headspace. But if you can just keep that point in mind, the listening and the connection between the people playing rather than thinking about what you're doing so much, I think that you'll turn around one day and be like, you'll think to yourself that, wow, I've become a, a good listener and I didn't even realize it. So just keep that in mind. And that also expands to uh, like listening on your own as well to different genres and, and trying to catch what uh, what they're doing with their guitars and other genres. Yeah. And styles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think, yeah, if, if you're, if you're listening, you will be able to figure out what you need to do to suit the music, mm -hmm. which everyone always says, play to the song right like yeah, that's right. the cool that's the, the cool thing to do and i think that that comes from listening mm -hmm. if you do that enough and if you know the song well enough then you know how to slip into that without without keeping that concept in the forefront of your mind so much like if you've if you're a funk guitar player and you've been playing in funk bands in years and you've been listening to how you're playing in funk bands in years and you've been listening to the rhythm section you've been playing with for years whether it's the same one or different ones eventually you don't feel like you're making yourself listen so much. It's just second nature. But right. if, if you're able to keep your ears open, it'll be easier for you to fit into new situations a little bit better too. You know, it's not going to be as much of a, for lack of a better term, like a, a culture shock. Right, yeah. To enter a new musical situation genre-wise uh, and not know what's going on. If, if, you're, if you have your listening muscle tuned, it'll, it will expedite the process of finding your spot in that band a little bit more quickly, even if you're a little more unfamiliar with how to play the genre. So we have a question, and I'm not sure if, if you would know the answer to, but uh, can you recommend some Italian songs that have great tremolo picking sections? Italian songs that have great tremolo picking? I would imagine a lot of them. Like, yeah, a lot of say, traditional yeah. Italian music is like, uh, I think it's like some kind of mandolin, that when you, when you think of like that, that like a, you know, someone rowing you on like a gondola. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it's like the mandolin tremolo picking. I don't really know any specific songs. I w I'm not Italian also. I wish I was. The food's, <laughs> the food's great. But uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. I'm trying to think of, do I, even, do I even know any Italian bands that come to the forefront of my mind in general? I don't think so. It's also, yeah, it's, we're not, we're, we're American specialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In, a, in an American genre. So Italy's got the sure. food thing down. I will say a lot of the really shredder guitar players tend to be Italian. They do. John Petrucci, Steve Vai. Yeah, right. Um, Joe Satriani. You know, it's like there is something within the Italian blood. Maybe it comes from that tremolo picking thing that allows you to be a little bit more of a shredder if you play guitar. I don't know. And and they got they well they do have enough. great music too yeah of course I mean yeah. even their their classical stuff is fantastic yeah yeah well and they got the singing thing too they do they really do like they they've got the singing thing aside from you had mentioned like the waitresses at the restaurant but also uh you know Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons mm -hmm. and Dean Martin and you know all that kind of old school um you know fifties early sixties kind of classic singer singing Frank Sinatra Italian, Italian guys, guy yeah. So where can people find you in all your projects? People can find me on Instagram at Glenn Plays Guitar, um, at Bad Slice Band, which is 
an excellent, incredible band that I'm in that's really getting the ball rolling and has a bunch of dates coming this year. One of the best groups of musicians I've ever played with. You can also find us on Facebook, Bad Slice, a couple really great musicians in that band. Um, you can find Stephanie G Music on Instagram. I play with Stephanie Grace and her band. Um, the Quiet Campaign is at The Quiet Campaign on Instagram. Um, there are a couple projects I think I'm in that might not have Instagram. We've got to get on that. <laughs> New Pretzel City Ramblers. I play bass with them every now and then. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, you can find The Quiet Campaign and Stephanie Grace on Facebook. Justin and Glenn, which is an acoustic duo of myself and Justin Fava. You can find us on Facebook. I uh, think, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. That's where you can find me. <clears throat> or at Tone Tailors. Or at Tone Tailors. Tuesday through Saturday, I'll be working. You can find me there. And that's all on Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere yeah. else as well. Yeah. And ToneTailors.com. ToneTailors.com. Uh, at Tone Tailors on Instagram. Tone Tailors on Facebook. Uh, if you see anything cool that you like on our website, call us. And uh, we'd love to make something happen. Support local. Yes. Shops. Support yes. the local shop. Absolutely. It helps us all. It does. So my name is Corey Rosen. This has been The Story Podcast. You can find more about me and the stuff that I do at CoreyRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. You can find uh, my personal projects. You can find all past 141 episodes of incredible guests that include some of your bandmates. Yes. And a lot of other cool people, too, like uh, some members of Snarky Puppy, Daryl Davis, and all, all other cool, really cool people. Um, upcoming tomorrow, I have Eric Worsing, who is the lead guitarist of Solar Federation, a Rush tribute band in the area. Incredible dude, and uh, they their band is also incredible. Yeah, they play at Mickey's Black Box they, quite a bit. They do, and so I'm excited to hear about that project this Friday. Well, Thursday is the Central Pennsylvania Music Awards, so please be sure to get your tickets. They are short in supply. You're nominated, right? I am nominated. I am nominated for Best Music Podcast in the area. As you should be. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> uh, along with uh, Dark with Daniel and uh, I forget the other one. It's, it's something with Nate. Uh, I'm gonna They're going to crucify me for that. But <laughs> I mean, there are other, other great podcasts in the area. Darker Daniel actually now runs the Central Pennsylvania Music Podcast as well, I do oh, believe. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a great night of great networking, great music. Uh, there's a pre-party and after-party. Uh, I know the after-party is at the Englewood. I don't know where the pre-game party is, but you can find me at both. I'll be wearing this attire or something similar um, to the shell, so be sure to go out to that. This Friday, I'm going to be having Stephen Courtney returning. He is a local child singer-songwriter, and he has a – not that he is a child. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> he's a local child. He's, uh, he's a local child. Um, well, I have had uh, kids on, like, Noah Gibney. And, oh, you've had Noah? Yeah, I've had Noah cool. Gibney. Yeah, Noah's, I'm, Noah's I'm looking great. to get Addie Grace on here as well because cool. uh, they're talented musicians in this area, and Alex oh, yeah. Warner as well. Yeah. Um, definitely planning to have them on the show. Uh cool. But this guy is not a child. He is a, is a <laughs> relatively old man um, <laughs> who writes children music. He's the opposite of a child. Ab opposite of a child, but he writes songs like, like the children like. And he's got five songs on Sesame Street. There's, they have to be that good yeah. uh, to be on Sesame Street, at least. Mm. So I, we get to continue his story. And then I forget my schedule because I don't have my phone. <laughs> There's just too many guests. You can't There's keep too track many of them guests. all. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah, if you want to find out more about that, go to CoreyRosenProductions.com. Find out all of my socials there. 
And with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And well, actually, no, I have a, a few more things to plug. Uh, we are starting the songwriter studio here. It's where I'm getting three to four musicians all in this area. And within an hour, we got to crank out a song. Wow, that's not, cool. Not a fully produced one, just a, just a song right that again. we can go yeah. and fully produce. What a great idea. Was that your idea? Uh, it was my idea. Cool. And so we also do single and album reviews here. So if you want to uh, submit your singles or albums, you can go over to Corey Rosen Productions. And that's under uh, slash podcast. You can find all that there under the services we provide. And if you want to sign up to the songwriter studio, you can do that uh, through the website or you can just message me personally at Corey Rosen or through the story, at Facebook, Instagram, or just comment it right here and I'll send you a form. And if you want to be a part of that, that'd be awesome. Cause I really wanted to get some more collaboration with the, the amazing talent that we have here in the central PA region. I'll send you the TQC EP. Well, you have it, but like, if you want to officially yeah, sure. assess that, absolutely. Let me know what you think. Well, with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day and we will see you guys later. Bye.